Good morning. Had to wait a few minutes. Ponyo uh, was not in here, and she's usually here, so she got delayed. So we'll go ahead and start. <coughs> I had a lot of delays this morning. I won't go into detail, unless you really want me to tell you all about it. So the title of today's uh, Dharma talk, the 26th of December, 2021, the first noble truth, the truth of suffering. And uh, I think I asked you last night, what should I talk about? And Juzan, because Juzan is so miserable, he wanted me to talk about suffering. So I'm happy to oblige <laughs> talk about suffering. So of course, the first of the four noble truths, Truth of suffering, the truth of the cause, the truth of the goal, and the truth of the path. Um, dukkha, suffering. Uh, uh, samadaya, cause or desire. Uh, Naroda, or cessation. Uh, and the last one is marga, or path. Very simple. And uh, if you go into any one of those, they get um, more complicated the further you go all kinds of concepts about it. Here she is. You okay? Yeah. Good. Um, so suffering and uh, three, the way this is uh, traditionally broken down into the pain to pain, we all know about that. Toothache, stomach ache, open heart surgery, and all kinds of terrible, painful things that can happen to our nerve endings, uh, both the physical ones and all of the other nerve endings, suffering just in seeing something, suffering just in hearing something, suffering just in thinking about, just, just thought alone, just thinking about something can, seems to create difficulty. And it's so complicated, so very complicated. And so this is why I teach out of my experience of learning to practice in a couple of different directions is I teach, keep it very simple. Chicken Daza is very simple. It's so complicated. Who said that? <laughs> say that. It's so complicated that if we try to go into the complications, then we get drawn into, because of our desire, because of the second noble truth, our, our desire to stop that, stop that suffering, stop that difficulty, stop that pain, or our desire to to the pain of loss that we didn't don't have something or something is missing to the desire to get that back to return to our satisfaction of having what we wanted it comes quite a complicated situation to go into it that way and it will tie up your whole life and just trying to be happy just trying not to suffer uh, avoidance and grasping at what is happy good pleasing satisfying through the sense fields any of them and avoiding uh, th those other areas that are difficult, painful, frustrating, disappointing, and on and on. And the Buddha says, why is there suffering? Uh, because we want something else. But my way of saying is we, whatever shows up, we don't want that. Or anything that shows up, we don't want that. And rather than staying and seeing what that fundamentally is, we immediately react to what, it, what we think it is. And then we, we take alternate routes down the mountain and away from the problem. Take alternate routes, and it's going to be different for everyone. 
This is why there's no particular way that you need to deal with this uh, that I can think of. No protocol or practice or something. There's a few of them, but the one that seems to be the most powerful in my experience over the last number of years is to just see what it is. Simply just see. And this is what Shikantaza or Zazen, even even a mindfulness practice, if it if there isn't too much control going on trying to get to a better state of mind, even a basic mindfulness practice can be helpful there also. So a pain of pain, the pain of alternation, things are going pretty well, pretty uh, doing, we're doing pretty well. And then, but we're not able to really enjoy being on a cruise or being um, at some kind of really strong enjoyment uh, because it's, it's not going to last because of impermanence, because we see we're already starting to suffer in the midst of the enjoyment. We're starting to suffer because it's going away. It's, it, it won't be here. How can I make, how can I keep that? continuous pleasure. Of course, it's probably obvious to you that if you had, if you take the most pleasurable thing you can think of, which is obviously listening to the Rolling Stones, not true, no. If you take the most obvious, wonderful thing that you love, you can get too much of that. It, won't, it doesn't work to have too much ice cream. It doesn't have to ha work to have too much uh, stolic nyan. Uh, too much of anything is going to be difficult. It's going to go the other way, rotate, because of the very nature of relative truth that is that is about uh, opposites happening. What are we going to do about that? So the downside seems to be we're sitting, we've been sitting for a year, two years, three years, eight years, 20 years, whatever, and we sit and we look at that situation and we see that even though we've been meditating, there's still some kind of a something crawling up the back wall of the cave, you know, making noise that doesn't smell very good. We're not sure exactly what it is. We can't get our, we can't uh, lock our, our vision onto it so you can see, oh, that's what it is. Well, in that case, I can do this or I can do that. It doesn't seem to work that way. It seems to be that part of the frustration or part of the pain, part of the suffering, the dukkha, is feeling that we're helpless in the face of those situations, helpless in the face of depression, helpless in the face of uh, uh, anxiety that doesn't seem to have a cause anywhere, that's just arising in the mind stream uh, every three days, and maybe hangs around for four or five days and then fades away, and then we just hope it doesn't come back because we know how horrible that was. Then there again, pain of alternation. It's not here now, but it might come back, just like the my... Uh, uh, doctor recently told me about a, a synovial cyst that I have in my L4 vertebrae. It's coming back. <laughs> you can't get rid of that. I don't know when, but I've had about three really strong attacks, you can say, of that, and it's terrible. But it's physical pain, and physical pain, if you just sit with it, I mean, it's it doesn't last. But it tends to persist if you wrestle around with it and try to stop it, try to, try to, try to, try to. Not saying that there might not be a medication or something that works in that particular area of those nerve endings that you could put something in there that would slow that down, stop it. But then there's also other, what do they call those, side effects. What are the side effects to meditation? I'm sure you have a few. We all do. So pain of alternation and then the last of the suffering, excuse me, the last of them. 
<clears throat> but I'm not done yet, is uh, the pain of conditioned existence or the pain of the composite, which it is said that only a first Bhumi Bodhisattva or someone who is somehow seen through the, the solid separate self uh, can actually see that, can see far enough beyond their own preconceptions, ideas, opinions about the nature of reality into uh, dependent origination, to see it fundamentally that people are in pain everywhere. And it's no longer just their pain. That, that's the old days. That's before you started practicing, when you could isolate yourself into, well, they're in pain, but I'm not. Well, they're having difficulty, but at least we're okay. That don't, no longer applies. The pain is all pervasive. And it keeps showing up. It doesn't seem to matter whether it's your pain or the pain of the, your next door neighbor. It's still pain. And depending on your mind training, you may be sensitive to that. You may not. You may think you're sensitive to it. You may think you're compassionate. If you think you're compassionate, come and talk to me. I'd like to hear about that. Am I being sarc sarcastic? Yes, I am. I'm not saying that you can't go out and help others, help people who are having issues or problems, but also you can do that as, as fuel for the self-centeredness for the ego to look like a person who's helpful, which might create more suffering not condemning anyone to anything, but it's possible to create more difficulty because you're operating out of your, what you want to be a helpful person rather than fundamentally help, which may not be very comfortable to fundamentally help someone because it might mean minding your own business, watching someone suffer, maybe even asking you for help, but because of your clarity, you are able to see. Don't misunderstand me here. I'm not giving you permission to refuse help to anyone based on your thought process. You might be able to follow what I'm saying. You may not. But if you have not looked at your own suffering and your own warfare of, I don't like this, I'm going to fight with it. Or I like that, I'm going to go after it and grasp. So the pain of the composite is closer to what is called dependent origination, pratitya samutpada, because we see that there's no separate situation. There's no separate pleasure. There's no separate pain. There's no separate being. There's still no separate other, but you have to see it. It's amazing that if you see this, you can still fix lunch. You can still have a job. You might, you might be more ordinary than anyone because you're no longer concerned about your particular appearance to others. Specific question about suffering that brought up the, the reason that you wanted to hear more about that? Jeez, I'm not, I have a question in mind. I'm not sure it's about suffering specifically. I don't care what it is. Is there only passion, aggression, and ignorance? Those are ways of describing it. Describing the difficulty. Those are the three poisons. Those are the, the three ways we grasp, reject, shut down based on somebody who doesn't like that and wants this or they, neither of these work. The getting rid of it doesn't work and the grasping doesn't work. So we just shut down and ignore it. Those are three ways of defining it, describing it. 
Well, it's just energy that moves this way, moves this way, or shuts down with some kind of polarity happening that it's getting its polarity from the imputation. It's getting its polarity from actually mixing with the polarity that's already the case that shows up as dependent origination. Go ahead. It seems like when I see passion, aggression, ignorance, I try to go to what they're pointing to. Is for, that, for instance, um, the way that I'm reacting to somebody seeing the circularity and how just that shows mm -hmm. up, that shows up in my mind stream. Yes. Um, so then I try to get at like the relationship to that person specifically. Um, am I missing something by trying to go there and getting away from the passion, aggression and ignorance? Uh, possibly. It, you may, it may be better when I say better, that's <laughs> an interesting word, as we know, it may be better to just feel the anger. Because the, the ego mind gets a, takes a big chunk of credit out of that. If you can stop that anger, if you can slow it down, if you can, if you can shift the cow's load to the ox slightly so that, oh, I'm, this is working. I'm, I'm less angry because I see that they've really not, not, they're just triggering. Very suspicious. When I say suspicious, it's just, it's a labyrinth of, uh, it's a whole network of, uh, of, uh, uh self-deception. Deceiving. More. Choose and mind. What is no relationship? Just observe. This doesn't mean you don't interact with someone, help someone on the, with their coat, or here I, you know, I can help you with that. I, you should, you need more money for that project. I can help. Doesn't mean you don't do all kinds of things like that. You do, but there's nothing beyond that. There's no credit. You're not, you're not passing go and collecting $200. It's not a, it is a spiritual path, not a mundane path of getting somewhere or accomplishing anything more. I think you indicated that belief is what keeps us from seeing the truth. How do we see belief? Notice the way that anytime anything can occurs, anything on your countertop, on the radio, on CNN, on with your teacher, with uh, the Sangha, the teacher and the Sangha is, a, is it's going to be more direct because those, those situations are more directly uh, working with the fundamental nature of confusion rather than the elaborations that are piled upon layer upon layer called the politics of experience. So when something shows up, the training part is seeing the way you can't leave it alone. No matter what shows up, you, you want a certain thing. And if you are able to hold off and not want that, not demand that, not just you, you build up credits as a person who is, you know what I'm talking about, you're already smiling. You get up, you build up credits that I'm actually disciplined. I'm actually, I know I really want that, but I'm not demanding it. Nope. Desktop pounding. Give me that. So we get a credit for it and the credit, of course, backfires because eventually we see that's where it's, it's the, the greediness of the self of the uh, imputed self that wants something else. More. That's good. Let's go. Choose somebody is trying to go into that with the idea of no self meddling with the difficulty. 
Not particularly. You've been studying no self, no other. You've been studying that there's no solid being there. You could go in and look at, uh, look at and see, is there, solid, is there solidity there other than the emotion itself? The dependent origination is an incredible uh, example of, of a temporary solidity. It shows up as, it's just like a good example that anyone can relate to. Remember how mad you were at something that happened last week? Gone. But at the time, it was like, I'm not putting up with this anymore. This has to stop. And then you might even have found out that actually that wasn't going on. It wasn't about you. It was about somebody else. And you can't even be mad anymore because it's not. But then you start to think, well, I could get mad to help them. It's just a, it's a labyrinth of me, 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 and my stuff, what I want, what I don't want, what I'm willing to put up with, what I'm not willing to put up with. A constant chatter inside the mind stream about whatever is arising. More. Jeez, I'm running. It seems like the focus is just always on off the cushion in my mind stream. So I'm always looking for some other way to work with what's showing up. I noticed that. Go ahead. Should I be sitting more? Um, no, let's, of course you should sit more. But I'm, let's go back to the, the area we were talking about, the conceptual area. Where you were first uh, asking questions. Well, let's stay in that for a while. Otherwise, otherwise I'll, I'll just say, well, keep sitting and, you know, see you next week. Something. <laughs> so, you know, but, but we could actually tell, we can use the concepts. This is what this is about. People who, uh, teachers or teachings which move away and just focus too much on, on the practice or move away too much and talk too much on the concepts and the, then, it needs to be as the as said mean needs to be the middle way, not too tight, not too loose, not too conceptual. Uh, where we're starting to grip a hold of this is the path, this is the right way. Only the Galubas know what to do. Even Dalai Lama doesn't say that. But I mean I'm just using that as an example. I'm not picking on anybody. So let's go into the conceptual area of it. It just feels like at some point I wonder if there's anything conceptually that can be helpful and if I should just go back to sitting and let the suffering show up. See the either or showing up there? Don't do any of them. Don't do any of those things. You're already sitting. Alyssa, if you don't mind uh, letting me know how many you have a full-time job and you also sit how many hours a week? Sitting, actual sitting, actual sitting. 13 to 15? 13 to 15 hours of sitting meditation. That's quite a bit considering somebody has a full-time job. You couldn't handle a relationship, could you? <laughs> well, maybe you could. So I would say that's, I know that you have in the past, you've sat even more than that, as far as a weekly practice here at the monastery. So we need to do some of that. And there's no, it doesn't mean that if you don't sit, uh, anybody, if you don't sit as much as Juzan does, that means you're somehow wrong. You might only sit an hour a day or half an hour a day. But a little bit of that and study the concepts, work with the concepts. And as I've said many times, I'll say it again, you need to study the concepts, the teachings. You don't have to understand them. Because what will happen is some of these concepts are very difficult to handle conceptually. And when we go down into that, we're sitting next to people who are maybe quite a bit better at this than we are. They actually are able to handle and manipulate or work with those concepts and have kind of an understanding that shows up in their words. They talk about this and this and that aspect of the concept, and we're starting to get more and more lost. How do I know that? 
35, 36 years of this and more than that. But that was the part where it's just difficult to have to be think of myself as being fairly smart, but not able to handle really intense, deep, conceptual um, things that are happening for uh, scholars and so on. But I studied it anyway. So when I say study, but you don't have to you don't have to understand. You don't have to learn. And the reason I'm saying that is because our conventional idea of learning goes right back into materialism. Because that's how we were trained in, in the West, especially. We're trained to learn, memorize everything, know what all the concepts are, know what each one of them means. And if you're called on to be able to describe what exactly was what that meant or how that translates or and on and on. And you need to pass tests. And if you don't pass the test, it's like it's like saying memory is what you're te being tested. Yeah. Not in every case, of course. But uh, important to study so that the way you personally, <clears throat> I can think of specific people, I'm not going to mention anybody, that I know just because I've been doing this a while, I know that they're learning in a, in a way at a level that, that they don't, they can't see conceptually, but I can see it in them. And other people are learning. It's almost like the really conceptual people are learning to back up into, to I just do it descriptively, back up into their intuition, release the, 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 the claws into the concepts. They're able to be more intuitive. And then the other people who uh, are, uh, evaluating themselves because and judging themselves because they can't quite get what other people seem to be getting that they just feel at a loss well the at a loss part is intuition uh, even sang song uh, a korean monk of the last century even his the title of one of his books is only don't know mind <laughs> just don't know that's he, he was showing the value of the spaciousness of a mind that has been meditating for months, years, maybe even decades, where there's only don't know, but don't ignore anything, don't grasp anything, don't reject anything, only don't know. This is aligning oneself with the vastness of consciousness, with Sambhoga, Nirmanakaya, Sambhogakaya, Dharmakaya, if you want to use the fancy concepts, just ultimate truth. That's how you get close to it, because the ego mind himself, herself, themselves, uh, you can't understand this material if it's if it's related to some kind of idea about how this is understood. But this is what you're working with. Go ahead. Should I relate to my mind stream similar to how we study that I can go into it and try to work things out as it shows up, but not necessarily need to figure anything out? I think it's pretty well said. And you're, you know, not to, not to, uh, betray our trust about your deepest secrets. Are you ready? But you're an extremely conceptual person when you say so. Would you call yourself uh, smarty pants? <laughs> <laughs> I would. And what I'm saying, I say you, you function with really strong intellectual uh, ballast for everything you're seeing is, is uh, balanced by your intellect about it. Not wrong. We're not trying to correct that. We're, what we're trying to do, or what you're trying to do, or what I'm encouraging you to do is to receive something without knowing what it is. Of course, you know what it is. You know what it is, but you don't do any, no elaborations beyond the, just the initial naming of it. 
And even the initial naming will eventually drop away and you'll see the raw material behind what is called jealousy, but behind what is called disappointment. You actually, you actually, you might choke on it for a while, but you actually begin to eat the meal without knowing what it's even called. If it's served to you, you have it coming. How do I get there if, when the conceptualization is intense? Just keep going. It's like a mountain. Your Dharma name is Juzan. What does that mean? Freedom Mountain. Freedom Mountain. So far, no freedom. It's a mountain. It's a mountain. You're a mountain. You're going up the mountain. At some point, you are that mountain. You're, at some point, you are the path. You're not gonna, you don't need to prove it to anybody. You don't need a merit badge. You just know it. You just know that you are what you've been studying. Jeez, I'm running. It just feels really irritating to relate to the conceptualization. Is that extra? No, I think the irritation is totally appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's irritating to think. So the idea is to, as I, the way I like to say is we, we change our allegiance over from our thought process, which tends to protect us from everything by projecting onto things and evaluating, judging and so on. And we start to actually live out of, we lead our life. We walk into a room with our awareness leading first. We receive anything that's there without necessarily jumping to a conclusion about it. Have a willingness to be vulnerable. A willingness to walk in and absolutely don't know, relatively don't know why we're here, what we're doing, who these people are, and receive, receive. Profound form of generosity. Environmental. Machine bowing. Machine, go ahead. If we're comfortable with not knowing, is there danger that that would stop our investigation in any way? Bowing. Okay, I'm going to ask you to paraphrase what you said. I heard what you said, but I want you to paraphrase. Just say it with different words. I, I, I'm being yeah. comfortable with not knowing a problem. Um. Yeah, so the comfort area might be a little extra, but it's just the idea that just acknowledge that you, you don't know it in the conventional sense. You're working with something and you don't know what it is. And rather than continually rattle the situation, trying to shake out some kind of truth out of it, uh, just allow it to be what it is and see because nothing lasts, but it tends to persist if you fool around with it. It tends to persist as and you actually give power to that in your mind. It's the mind stream that has no past, no future, no present. It just looks like it. It's an incredible illusion. You want to see what an illusion is? It's right in front of you. Everything you see, everything you taste, everything you smell is an illusion. And so do nothing with it. The not knowing part, don't do anything. Just you, it might register in your mind stream. I don't really know what I'm doing or what this is. I want to hang out with that for a little while rather than try to get to the end of the road with some kind of a, of a, of a conclusion or a, or a belief or something like that. Have a willingness to not know. Did I get close to what it is you're asking about? Machine bowing. Y yes. Thank you. Anything else? Not yet. Thank you. Certainly. Shisho. Shisho Bowing. Uh, further to Bushin's question, uh, 
even before uh, when i see something my mind is already racing about uh, the possible interpretations of it and conclusions from it and all of those kind of stuff um so is there a way to uh, if i may say so substitute that process or try to substitute that process with something else but you can say it that way and yes and and i'll tell you this may be helpful it may not you may have to work with it a little bit on the on the on the texture level rather than the meaning level the the texture of the bread rather than what kind of bread it is the texture of the biscuit or whatever rather than what it's what it's made just the texture itself and that would be to uh just receive that the very thing you just described what word did you use uh conclusions and uh, uh you know what it means and the interpretations of it just uh, just just receive the just notice that you have a desire to do that but don't interrupt the desire with uh how to stop that desire don't interrupt the desire by satisfying that desire and don't interrupt the desire by distracting yourself into something else a distraction <clears throat> and this is a, whether it's a mantra or whether it's a, even meditation practice uh just just contemplate that you might in your situation you might want to write down what it is that that is uh that is causing the 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 static in your mind stream that you want to turn into some kind of understanding some kind of some kind of situation where you figure things out just let it be static when i say let i'm not saying you have some kind of power to let something be that way i'm just saying just observe if you're just receiving whatever is move, moving then that's as close as you're going to get to uh not meddling until you see that the very thing that you're observing you're not separate from chishwani so the the texture part would be uh the way i'm struggling with it or i'm working with it i'm working with or how my mind is racing is that the texture that you're talking about yes okay. just 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 the <clears throat> the racing part of it uh is is the closest you need to get to a conclusion just 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 the racing part not to stop the racing so you can figure out which way things are moving and what color they are and which is important and which isn't and which part actually holds uh holds some value in terms of the underlayment of this particular concept about the nature of this or the nature of that i'm trying to speak as close to what i'm thinking <laughs> i have no idea how the mind of a chemical engineer works but i have a feeling this pretty chemical <laughs> I have to ask Augie how that works maybe he can help. So keep it very minimal, keep it very simple and just especially on the cushion just watch it come and go. Just watch the watch the trains come and go. Don't no 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 inspection. When I say go deeply into something, I'm saying look at the surface. I'm not saying have some kind of idea of going down in like a uh you know cg young psychological types and find out if you're a feeling type or a thinking type or, or if you're a buddha family or uh, a karma family um, padma or whatever you don't have to figure anything out that doesn't mean you can't at some point reflect on that and think about it a little bit but i would keep it to a minimum undo undo bowing who or what is suffering suffering is suffering just there's no identity there no well is what is suffering then 
just just want you know wanting things to be different than they are a, a desired grasping quality that shows up as dependent origination and shows up manifests as human beings you're not just a human being who you who you fundamentally are goes way beyond human being to say it in a relative way the idea that there's somebody there that person that ondo or that sokazan is this is happening that's happening and there's suffering it's not about getting rid of that or or when it says the the four noble truths uh, naroda is even though it's it's explained in a way that anybody can understand that but the ultimate understanding of that is there's no there's no one left to suffer there's suffering still may come and go as long as there's nerve endings something's going to say ouch or something's going to be uh, very satisfied by the banana split. That polarity more. Undervaling is suffering then some sort of energy? Yeah. But I don't know if that's going to, taking that energy kind of idea, uh, it, it might be a little bit helpful, but to try to depersonalize it uh, is, is basically the, the difficulty with that. It, is, it isn't personal at all. So if you take it in, uh, it's just energy and try to use that kind of a concept to depersonalize it, what you're misunderstanding is that never, you can't depersonalize something that, that never had a, a personhood. So that's taking the relative, you follow me? That's taking the relative approach to it and you're actually empowering it by saying that the clown on the roof is real and we need to get him off on the roof. You don't have to do anything with the ego. It's unreal. You see that it's unreal, it may come, begging for food or whatever every now and then and you can just relate to it as it is but there's no solid personhood the illusion of service of personhood or individuality is overwhelmingly powerful and you can't get rid of that you don't need to get rid of it you don't need to get rid of anger passion aggression ignorance you don't you don't need to get rid of any that's the that's the issue with materialism is we're trying to there's a war to end all wars that kind of baloney or people who are just pacifist and just peaceful. It's not that that's a wrong approach. It's just that it, it leaves out all the people who are having so much difficulty with their need to express anger, war, and makes them look wrong, it makes the pacifists look really right and really good, really nice, kind, sweethearts. More? On the bowing, is, is suffering always a response of the ego bowing? The way I understand your question, I would say yes. You may, may be asking it in a way that I don't follow, but the way it sounds, I would say yes. Wonderbowing, is there suffering beyond uh, the ego's passion, aggression, and prejudice? Well, there's certain things that don't feel very good. Right now, I have a couple of YouTube questions. Go ahead. YouTube? Yes. John D. asks, can we help others see the truth of suffering, or is it something they need to find out for themselves? I'd say it's very situational. Depends on the connection you have with other people. You you may have a lot of input there. You may have have a lot of uh, uh, connection with people. But the most important uh, uh, person that to help is yourself. Is to see what this is, so you don't take your unexamined ignorance into relationship with others, thinking that what you're thinking about, what they're thinking about, what you're thinking is correct, and what they're thinking about, what you're thinking about, what they're thinking, you're thinking about 
is incorrect. Did you follow me? Only one person is smiling. He must have followed me. <laughs> and who was it? Chisho. <laughs> Chisho just wants to borrow money. Chisho bowing. No, I just gave up and hence I was smiling. Bowing. Oh, well, that's right. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Isaac has a question. Isaac. If I struggle with using and combining concepts to form questions, how do I form questions? That's fine. Just don't struggle with it. Just do it. Just do it. Just just be. Everyone's question comes from a, a different way of working with their mind, working with their preconceptions, working with their ideas. Just ask. Ask the question, and then we'll we'll work on it together. So I endeavor, if I can, to meet people where they're at, where where they are, and that will show up by the nature of the question. So, and I, I've known you for. for no more than a year, I guess, Isaac. I, I don't. I think your questions are great. So I don't have any, not particularly a compliment, but I don't think that you need to work, concern yourself of the way you just described that you're coming up with the questions. You know, keep doing that. It'll work. Kelly. Kelly Bowing. Do children experience suffering? Yes. What is, is that suffering also ego or what is the suffering that children experience? So it's, it's dependent on their risen. So we've, we've been human beings for millions of years. You know, everything is suffering. Squirrels are suffering, uh, birds, alligators, everything is suffering, has nerve endings and is having difficulty with this or that. Uh, getting this, not getting that, not getting enough to eat, not being eaten by another animal that needs to live. So the relative truth is pretty obvious there, and I'm sure you already know about that. But with children, uh, it just depends on um, uh, when someone's very young, when somebody's two, two or three years old, a lot of the karma uh, coming from past life situation. And I'd like to say, uh, I often lead with uh, this kind of a statement, I don't really believe in past lives. I'm not saying there are actual past lives that, were, that happened, but something is happening before we got here. Uh, and that is uh, uh, that can't be just <coughs> pushed away as if that doesn't mean anything. So everything is so very complicated. One uh, one child might come in in their first three or four years are very calm and peaceful, and then all of a sudden they go through terrible uh, difficulty. And other ones, uh, when they're as soon as they're born, they're starting to throw fits right away. And some of that dies out. Some of it. Everything is just fine until they, excuse me, become teenagers and then everything starts to fall apart. Or maybe not until they hit their 30s. Everything has been really good and then all of a sudden all kinds of difficulties start to surface. There is no way to track down particular that I know of, that I know of, track that down to stop or start or control or soften or tighten up uh, whatever area that anyone is working with. It seems to me, and I'm kind of biased here, if not very biased, we need to train the mind as it is rather than train what all the things that mind can do to get it to do certain things. Train our mind to really receive, because if you're really receiving your life, what's in front of you, whether it's a child, whether it's someone who's three years old or someone who is 15 years old, 12 years old or whatever, and just to use the age as an indicator, 
uh, meet meet that person where they're at, and that can be very difficult if they're coming in with a load of of uh, you know, anger and frustration, and they're only five. How to how to meet that so you don't make life worse for them? You know you. You don't really want a child who's expressing extreme anger. You don't really want to beat them, but people do that. People get, if they don't act the way the adult thinks they should act, they might get, they might just buy into that, uh, you know, uh, idea of the, some kind of discipline that has to come down heavy on a child. Otherwise they'll grow up to be bad people or something or all the other social information out there about, parenting so did i get anywhere near your what you're asking about or is there some specificity you're looking at yeah i i'm i'm wondering if you know what when children have experienced violence and abuse if sometimes it seems as though it's they're hurting but it's not so much that they're suffering that it's almost as if the adults assume that they're suffering and it's the adult suffering. Yeah, it's complicated. Very and I, I'm not sure how to ask a question about how to support the child with all of the assumption from the adults that they're suffering. Um, because the adults are suffering too. Um, so it's, it's all, you know, they're not separate, the child and the adult are not separate. But when you're talking with a child alone, uh, just just listen to them ask very, very simple, uh, engaging uh, questions that are not like an interrogation, but just, you already know how to do this. I don't even need to comment. I just uh, be with them and hang out with them. This doesn't mean be, uh, uh, be uh, turned into a child yourself, but to actually work with that child where they're at. And, and that's, uh, if you have not worked with yourself, so what do they call that, your inner child? Do not work with your own deep fear or deep neurosis if you're still trying to fix yourself. If you think there's something broken in you, anyone here or in this room, if you think there's something wrong or broken here, you will uh, not uh, condemning you or accusing you of anything. You will likely project that unexamined situation onto the world and try to fix it in somebody else. I know how I know about that because I tried to do it myself. I don't at this point, but I did. So find out who this is and stop fighting with us. There's nothing to fix. Nothing to fix. If you think there's something to fix here, then when there's any kind of trouble out here, you'll think something's wrong out here and then fix that. Perhaps, maybe not every time. Any further question, Kelly? Oh, I'll cook one up for later. Thank you. Bye. Away. Is the thought process a defense mechanism from the pain of pain that shows up in that sense consciousness? It can be sure. We start to start to the thought process uh, start to think up ideas about how to stop that or how to who's who's doing that. Who can we? Who is who's to, who's the immediate cause of that? You can always find an immediate cause. You can't find the fundamental cause. This is dependent origination. We find find a relative cause here, then we can block somebody up, put them in jail. We can give somebody else a Nobel Prize, even though they invented dynamite. 
we can, I'm just saying that relatively, you can always find a culprit. You can always find a, a, a hero. More? Jeez, I'm going, when something seems solid or seems to come up over and over, I wonder if I'm doing something to cause that, even if I don't see it. There's probably some causation there. But it's not about stopping that. It's about being aware of it. Jeez, I'm going, in that context, what is what am I being aware of? Well, how does it look to you? It seems like either that something seems to come up over and over again or looking for what is causing that. So. Just keep going. Don't meddle with any of it. Just your description of it tells me you're looking at it. And the only thing I would say on top of that is keep sitting. Return, return, return to the, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha as a monk. Return to the cushion and return to your to everything else. Return to the your everyday life, return to your your job, return to everything, everyone. Go ahead. Wunderbar, Udi has a question. Where does Udi live? Connecticut, is it? I think. Connecticut. Um, his first question is, can we see the truth as it is without believing in no self? So I'm not suggesting you believe in no self. I would say don't believe anything, don't disbelieve anything, and don't ignore anything. If you believe anything, it means you think something is true, and you don't, you don't, you don't really see that it's true. You just believe it's true. But there's still a lot of cover-ups there. So the question is, without realizing there's no solid self in the skandhas, is this is what's? Oh, read the question again. Maybe I can parse it out a little bit. Can we see the truth as it is without believing in no self? So I would say you can't see the truth as it is as long as you uh, see you you uh, believe that there is a someone who's witnessing that. As long as there's an identity that's seeing it, then you you might see it structurally somewhat, but it's still intellect operating there. You have to see that there's no solid being. I'm moving my hand, I'm holding a stick, and I'm my vocal cords operating, but there's no solid identity happening here. Is that a credential? If it's a credential, come and point it out to me. More? Another question. Go ahead. If we are unsure about no self, can we see anything besides our delusion? You're always unsure about no self. If you're sure about no self, this is not no self. The unsure about no self means you haven't realized no self. The, sh the surety about no self means you haven't realized no self. There's no reference point. You will not get a merit badge. You will not have a conclusion. It's not a conclusion. It's everything is telling you that. It's the, the everything is yelling that at you. Everything is preaching the Buddha's Dharma all the time, everywhere. Everything, everyone, every student, Every teacher, every tree, every wall, every bird, every, I'm not being romantic about it. I'm just saying it's this, it's, it's this, it's this, it's this. Smell, taste, touch, hearing, smelling. You can do this. Go ahead, Teresa. 
Teresa Bowling. Earlier, you talked about that even though we're um, sitting, the sense of helplessness arises. What are ways that we can work with that um, discouragement and, and stick on the path, Bowling? This is a, can be, and it's different for everyone, but I would say just use the forms. You know, like you, you uh, this is not for everyone to do. But in your case, you uh, have been practicing for a while and you ask for a jukai, so you've sewn a raksu. And you're going to, at some point, whenever you can get here, when things open up, you're going to come here and receive uh, the precepts, the 16 precepts. So it's just one more uh, form. The other thing uh, that, that will help support you. You probably can realize your true nature without it, but I think it's be more difficult. And the other one is just return to the cushion. Return, no matter what, just... Return, return to the 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 the, te the teacher, the teaching, and the community, and and this that also includes your own your own job, whatever that may be. If the job is uh, difficult, find another job. Return, return to your cushion, your the cushion you sit on. You may need more forms. <clears throat> Come to the monastery. We give a, a lot of forms here, don't we? Yeah, lots of forms all day long, just about every day. And you can do some of those on your own. Undo. Isaac has a question. Isaac. I notice a question arises and then I challenge it until it falls apart and doesn't make sense. Should I just ask my first instinct question without any tinkering and investigation? We could do it both ways. You just uh, at some point, if you if you consider me uh, your teacher, even for the, for the few minutes we're on here, the rest of the day you might think about something else. Then you might want to ask the question because what you think I'm going to say uh, may may not be that way. And the other thing is, if some people say, "Well, I would ask you the question, but by the time I get around to it, I already know what you would say." Well, you have no idea what I'm going to say. If I don't know what I'm going to say. How are you going to know what I'm going to say? I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't plan anything. Well, there's a couple of things I plan, but I'm not going to tell you about those personal. So you could say, uh, just um, Isaac, in your situation, I would say, you know, you could have, you could try it out. Ask me, ask me what the question is, and rather than make, try to make it complicated about how to ask the question, just to be able to ask a question is quite a bit. A lot of people can't even do that. I often have. Not, not real often, but quite often have interviews with people that are, you know, 15, 20 minutes and they don't have any questions. Is that a problem? No. Not a problem at all. Might be good if I am functioning as your teacher, if you ask me and I've accepted you as a student, which you would have to do if you want to do this formally, um, then I meet you where you're at. If you don't have any questions, I'm not going to, that's not, there's no pass or fail there. You will. Eventually, you know when you'll have the questions, it's after I'm gone. <laughs> I got a couple of a couple of questions for for uh, uh, Colvin, and I got a whole bunch of questions for Trungpa Rinpoche, but they're gone, so I can't ask them. <laughs> Sir. Ian Bowling, yeah. I have a question about the Rolling Stones. Uh, what about them? The song that came up is I Don't Get No Satisfaction. Mm -hmm. um, is there an ultimate satisfaction? Um, 
It wouldn't be satisfaction. Uh, it would be more more uh, classified as just uh, you, you don't need anything. So you're not satisfied. That would be a state of mind that you're satiated or something. And so uh, the whole idea of thirst for other or wanting something else. The interesting thing about it is you're able to really like something and enjoy something, but there's no demand. If it go, if it turns and goes the other way, there's no. I need more of that. That needs to come back. And then the next part of it is I try and try and try and try. Do we need to stop trying? Um, what, are you, what are you trying to do? Fix stuff, get what you, satisfaction. What are you trying to fix? Push something out of the way to get something I want. And is that satisfying? No. Well, I don't do it. <laughs> So the idea here is to observe how we demand, is to observe the demand rather than try to shut it off so we so the identity gets uh, some kind of credential for being someone who is no longer addicted to anything or no longer uh, needs anything, some kind of identity that's fancy. It's not fancy. It's ordinary. And it doesn't fuel a self. It doesn't even fuel a, a, a self of a bodhisattva. The bodhisattva doesn't have any identity. Maybe a first boomy bodhisattva does. No identity. If they do have an identity, it, it comes from uh, students, not from oneself or one's mind stream. Further questions? Terry Bowling. Terry. When, when you were working with Jiazan, you talked about he was the path and I noticed a, lo a, a lot of fear came up when you said that and it actually felt like separation. What is that? Yeah. Yeah, that's the path. Feels like separation. You're starting to actually look at the contrast between this and that. And if you really look, if you start looking at that in your heart, it's scary. Not for everyone. People are wired differently with different kinds of karma, different kinds of causes and conditions. But when you start to look at your fundamental obstruction, the fundamental, that can be very scary. Not everybody's ready to do that, nor should they be, nor am I endeavoring to push somebody towards anything. You let me know what you need and I'll help you if I can. Michael Bowing. Michael. Should, should we stop worrying about our perceptions? No, no, keep worrying about it. Should we strengthen our senses? Nah, I don't know. You mean like try to have a stronger sense of smell? Yes, a, song, a stronger sense of hearing, a stronger sense of seeing. I don't know. I, it doesn't look like that to me. What I would just say is just anything is showing up, just receive whether it's a, 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 a foul odor or a fragrance, whether it's a, something that tastes really good, something that doesn't taste so good, whether it's a, a really nice, wonderful, fluffy kind of thought pattern about something or something that is ragged and rough and just feels abrasive to even think about such a thing. Just receive as much as you can. Don't agree, don't disagree, don't look away. Keep, keep all the, the politics to a minimum, vote for nothing. 
is that denying perceptions or no. just not believing? I don't do ors. <laughs> no, it's it's not it's not any of that. It's not you're not believing, you're not disbelieving. It's just perception. If I say, hey, you hear that? You just you just hear that. Very simple. There's no one even saying that. I mean, we add that on. Who said it? What do they look like? Why were they saying that? We we mix it all up so we have all kinds of thought balloons around everything. Someone who is looking at the truth, uh, not too many thought balloons. Some, not many. So are you talking about the things that we add to our perceptions? A little bit. We see something and we, instead of just receiving what we're seeing, we project onto it what it is, why it should be there, why it shouldn't be there, why it shouldn't be that color, why if I had it my way, I'd move this or move that. And those are mixed in even on even deeper levels that have to do with uh, with grasping or fixation or uh, ideas or unexamined, unexamined aspects of our mind stream. So is the addition of things to our perceptions suffering? Yes. Michael Bowing. Further questions, sir? Can I shut down on my thought process by endeavoring to go into the texture of it? I don't think it would be so much a shutting down the way you're asking the question. I would say that it just it minimizes it. It's just like something else is starting to, if you look at a metaphor of a, of a vehicle or a car and you have the, all six sense fields are in the car. And usually the thought process is driving everywhere. There might be commentary from other sense fields just to kind of overwork that whole image. But when the awareness, just the awareness uh, begins to uh, see, receive what is showing up, then any one of the sense fields will operate in terms of whatever that texture is like, not just clamping down on a texture. So if there's just a sense of openness, then it, then all kinds of things, uh, uh, aspects as far as the experience you're particularly looking at, or you could say examining, but all of that shows up, then it won't show up as as a relative knowledge. If you continue to use relative words, it would show up more as insight or wisdom or prajna. Just seeing seeing through the separation that the thinking mind, the hope and fear-based mind, continually re reinforces and reinforces the propaganda of the ego. It's continually reinforce, reinforcing. Don't do that. That might not work. Don't say that. Don't think that. You shouldn't be thinking that. You shouldn't be doing that. More. Jesus, I'm dying. You said something to Chisho that gave me that idea of going into the texture of the thought. And it yeah. seems like I've been trying to do that a lot since. And it feels helpful, but I it almost feels neurotic or like meddling. Mm. Um, no, it's not. No. no, that's you that is neurotic. You're starting to look at it. <laughs> What do they say? What is that saying? What is that old saying? Uh, lots of luck. So, and it is, it's not you, there isn't anyone, but, but the neurosis that you're starting, it starts to feel like, look at, you're actually telling me that you're aware of neurosis arising in your mind stream, rather than you're actually telling me that. And what I'm, the feedback I'm giving you is that's what you need to look at. 
But what, what the intention behind what you said is I'm feeling erotic. Shouldn't I do something and not be neurotic? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. No, be neurotic. As I've said many times to people, you might have to be the shit you're trying to get rid of for at least a while. You might have to be that stuff so you can see that it is, it is there, but it's unreal. It's dependently risen. Continually trying to get rid of something is just a, a continual story of success and failure. It's just one, one uh, act of uh, Macbeth after another. Any further questions? Go ahead. Yeah. On this long path, is that wrong to manipulate patients to endeavor? No. Um, the way you're asking me about it, I would say no. Just practice. Everyone's going to work with us differently. The way you ask the question and knowing you, uh, you know, for um, what a, what a year plus, I think it is. Uh, I don't. I don't think the way the way it seems like you're intending that question. I would say no. Not. Thank you, Yuhong Baoying. I have one more question. Certainly. As I, um, as my my body is getting stronger, I find it very easily to sit still. Yes. At the same time. I feel like I'm trying to reinforce the solid body. How to look at that? Fine. No problem. No problem at all. Just keep going. Just be aware that that's, that's a, 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 an opinion or an idea that comes up around that. Not a problem. Just mindfulness of body. Just be aware of the body. Sometimes the mind is, uh, is uh, the, the content or the object of meditation, sometimes the body, sometimes uh, one of the other sense fields. Just observe, just observe. Let, let the whole dynamic that we call the body-mind complex make its own choices rather than you go in and try to, try to do this or try to visualize that or this or this or this. Not that you can't do some of that. Sometimes that's appropriate. But in Shikantaza, it's just received. In the fitness world, I have a fear to to reinforce the solid body when I when I work with with that. So how to look at the fear, Bowing? You you're talking about fitness, about exercise or yoga or fitness. Fitness? Mm hmm I'm on the way to uh, to be a fitness. Uh, personal trainer. Oh, uh, well, I don't see any problem. I, I mean, see the problem when I, yes, I do. When I, there is a fear oh. to, I feel like every time I work with that, with a strong body and mind, there is a reinforce of the solid being here. So um, that affect my, um, I don't know what it called performance. Well, yeah, so, what I'm saying is don't worry about it. Why would you ask me and then ignore what I'm saying? You can consider it. You don't have to believe what I'm saying, but say I'm saying don't worry about it. But say I'm saying that area of gripping down, I'm starting to be concerned. I'm reinforcing. Body's doing fine. It's not reinforcing it in a way that is problematic as far as I can see, as far as a awareness training or as far as shikantaza. You're doing fine. Just continue to do that. 
it's like uh, Warren, uh, Warren Jamal down in South Africa. He runs a weight studio where he trains people to work with weights. I haven't seen him on here in a while, but that's what he does for his, uh, his livelihood, runs a weight studio. But you know, it's, body is not a problem to emphasize that. Thank you, Bowing. Welcome. Yes. Ring has a question. Are you always now aware of delusion or do you lapse? I think I glimpsed the right way, but so much covering. I wonder if one day will be panoramic awareness. Yeah, those are, those are just teachings. There's no way to tell you conceptually what this will be because it will not settle into that kind of a shallow grade. <clears throat> it won't do it. It looks like it, but it won't do it. Just continue to go and you will know. When you know, you won't need to check in with me or with anyone. You'll know it. You'll know what this is. You can do that. But it's sort of lapsing here. All those relative ideas are, are um, they, they just, they're fuel for the ego, for the self-centeredness, which is trying to not lapse or trying to get more aware or have more of this, more prajna, more wisdom, less confusion. It's uh, a regular um, smorgasbord of uh, relative truth and how, how to how to be a better whatever. Don't worry about it. Just use the simple Buddhist teachings as they're taught. You don't have to listen to me. But uh, and Shikandaza simple practice of sit down, hold still and watch the chaos or the, the creamery butter in your mind. Just watch what flows, watch what's coming and going, coming and going. Just you could even say, enjoy that. Enjoy the insanity. Enjoy the craziness and uh, enjoy the waves. Enjoy the clouds. Enjoy, enjoy. Just receive, receive. No matter how crappy it is, there has to be some kind of receiving, some kind of receiving what this is. You can do that. You, you have to awaken. I can't awaken you. Dalai Lama can't awaken you. Someone else can't come and just give you some kind of adhistana that will solve it for you. Adhistana is not about awakening you. It's about hitting you on the head with something solid. <laughs> Go ahead, Gyokuro. Gyokuro bowing. Sheldon has a question. I bet he does. It's, <laughs> how does the middle way apply to the three poisons, Bowie? Not too tight, not too loose. Middle way, three poisons. If, if, if the grasping shows up, just watch. If the, if the aggression shows up, just watch. If the shutting down or the distraction shows up, just watch. Middle way, not too tight, not too loose. No agenda about never being angry again. No agenda about no more craving, no more craving. I don't want anything. I'm free of desire, some kind of identity that loves the sound of that, especially if you can, if you work at it really hard, if you meditate enough, you probably can even convince people that, uh, that you're succeeding at that. Might even be able to write a book on meditation, how to be perfect. Might have to change your name though, to something more interesting. And Sheldon. 
middle way, not too tight, not too loose. We all have our own uh, anger, irritation. We all have our own passion, aggression, ignorance showing up in different ways. Just don't do much with it. Don't ignore it. Don't validate it and don't object to it necessarily. And if you do any of those, then just observe that part. Just observe your not wanting that, not wanting. Just look at that. Don't try to get rid of that so you're you're some kind of person who has no demands. Look at the demands. We want something else. We want, you like this. It's okay, but we really want that. Final question, if there is one. Kevin, don't you have a single question for me? Jeez. Kevin Bowing. I did, but I thought it sounded stupid. All right, I want to hear it. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> so earlier you were you were talking about um, people who think that they're being compassionate and then possibly meddling. Yes. I don't think I'm particularly compassionate, but also feel I don't really do much to help anybody. Should I do more bowing? Probably not. Just train your mind. Just spend time on the cushion. Train your mind. So on. By the way, I'm all, I'm almost finished with uh, with reading your book, and I'm ready to give you some really bad press. <laughs> I have it coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take care of it. That way. Thank you. Okay. Is it too late for me to change my book to be called How to Be Perfect? <laughs> That's probably what I'm going to say something, uh, probably some kind of a comment like that. How long of one do you want? Do you want a paragraph? Or I don't think I can do very much because, you know, I have to find a lot of really good things to say much. And so I don't think I can say very many. <laughs> I won't clip your wings. Oh, good. I uh, won't fly too close to you. <laughs> okay, I think we can close for now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for all of your questions. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokopoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan, and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.